evening, everyone, and welcome to episode five of Adeptus Podcasts: The Power of Chaos. I'm your host, Matt Knott, and joining me as always is my co-host, Nate. How's it going, Nate? Not too bad, not too bad. That's good. All right, so lots of fun stuff this week, so we're going to get right into it. So, in the news. In the news, we got uh, the first preview for uh, the expansion that comes after the core set. Uh, for those of you new to FFG games or who just don't understand why they preview stuff so early, they always do stuff three months in advance to allow time for retailers and distributors to get their orders and stuff in. So it may seem odd getting it so early, but we'll, we'll get them on a regular basis now. We'll get to see stuff way ahead. So the upcoming cycle is going to be called the Warlord Cycle. And it's, of course, going to focus on the Warlords. Uh, every faction we know is going to be getting a new Warlord. And the first one is the Space Marines. The Space Marines get the Warlord and the chapter that I am super excited for, that I'm literally vibrating. Uh, they get Ragnar Blackmane, who represents the Space Wolves. Space Wolves are awesome. So getting them right away is also phenomenally awesome. Uh, we do get to see quite a bit of the Space uh, Space Marine Signature Squad too, which is kind of cool. And uh, we see a bit of a card fan at first. Uh, just kind of see an Imperial Guard card, uh, Orc event that we can't really see much of, an Elder card that's a Harlequin. Harlequins are a really cool part of Elder lore that we'll try and cover sometime, probably closer when they actually release. I'm hoping we see a few more Harlequins. Uh, we get a Chaos card, which is coincidental with this week being Chaos Week. That's the Heretic Inventor. He's uh, essentially the the Heretics, Heretics rather, are the uh, the uh, the tech priests for Chaos. They're uh, tech priests that went evil. Uh, he's a one cost, one command, three three with force reaction. How this unit enters play, your opponent may move it to a planet of his choice. It seems like a rather odd reaction. I love that guy. I really like the art. I'm not sure about his ability, but I guess. It could force your opponent to put him somewhere he doesn't want if he's at the plant that he does want or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think nine times out of ten he's going to send him to the last planet and let him sit there winning the command icon for your most games. Yeah. And then we see a Dark Elder uh, Visions of Agony event card that we can't really see much of other than the fact that it's a torture and it does something to your opponent's hand. Uh, I assume probably get rid of a card or something. So it goes on to mention a couple of the other warlords are going to be an Imperial Inquisitor, uh, which will have to be the Imperial Guard, and then an Eldar Phoenix Lord. Uh, the Phoenix Lords are really cool. They're uh, really, really old Eldar warriors who are founders of the various aspect warrior specialties. Uh, Brad Andres then goes on to write a little bit about the, the cycle. We get another card fan with a few more cards. We get to see yeah, most of all of them. Uh, there's a Chaos card that's dedicated to Slanish, which is kind of interesting that we're going to be seeing Slanish next. But anyway, let's get down to the Space Wolves. So Ragnar Blackmane is the Warlord. He's uh, got two attack, seven health, so pretty normal there. Uh, his reaction is, after your Warlord commits to a planet with an enemy Warlord, deal two damage to a target enemy unit at that planet. So if he's at the same planet as the opposing Warlord, he gets to automatically do two damage. And it does also mention here that the Space Reigns, or sorry, the Space Wolves, rather, are going to be good at hunting down their rivals. So this will be the the cards that I'm going to use to build my murder deck to hunt down and kill the opposing Warlord, because this whole signature squad, including Ragnar himself, and it makes total sense what the Space Wolves are and what they do, that they are literally hunting down the opposing warlord. Um, in his squad, he gets uh, Black Mane Sentinel. It's a two-cost army unit, uh, one command, two-two. Space Wolves, of course. Reaction: After your warlord commits to a planet, move this unit to that planet. So, that right there. If the you know your warlord commits to the same planet as the opposing warlord, and you want to kill him, well, then move, you know, however many Black Mane Sentinels you have out. To that planet, and all of a sudden you got a lot more units than your opponent does. Uh, hopefully, you can find a way to prevent him from retreating, because otherwise he's probably going to run off as soon as he goes to strike with his warlord. Um, we also get to see Black Means Hunt, which is a event. 
Uh, it's a zero cost. After your warlord commits to a planet, commit your warlord to an adjacent planet. So this, again, helps you hunt down the opposing warlord. If you go to planet two, and then your opponent goes to planet three, play this, and your warlord is going to jump over to planet three, and probably bring some black mean sentinels along with them. Um, then we get to see what it's pretty safe to assume is the last card. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's also numbered. No, it's not. It's zero six, it looks like. Frostfang. It's a attachment, relic, three seals, of course. Pretty normal for the relics. Uh, two cost. You can attach it to a Space Wolves unit. Uh, it does not specify army, warlord, or otherwise, so you could put it on Ragnar himself. Attached unit gets plus two HP and plus two attack while it is at a plant with an enemy warlord. So all of a sudden, Ragnar is a four nine potentially. All in all, really good cards in uh, his signature squad there. Uh, Nate, what do you think about Ragnar's signature squad and everything we got here? I'm very excited. Yeah, I think I think it's, it, his power is good. Uh, it gives you the deck that you want, you know, that alternate win condition that you like so much. Uh, hunting the uh, enemy warlord down. Uh, while his black main sentinels, they're good. Don't get me wrong, but uh, they're not as good as some of the other signature squads in my in my uh, view. That's or is they're not as powerful as some of the other ones. Uh, black main hunts, and it's okay. It, it does the job you want to do basically. Uh, Frostfang, like with all the other uh, one of attachments in signature squads, very good. Gives you three uh, shields as well. So uh, I'm just noticing they haven't mentioned the uh, they usually get a, a support location in every other pod we've seen. Um, we have it on this one, so I'm just wondering what that's going to be. That that should, that should be fairly interesting. Yeah, it's it's not the uh, the full signature squad. I would say unless we're getting different quantities than what we've come used to. Um, I assume they've left a couple cards out, just you know, leave us guessing, because they don't want to spoil everything right from the start, of course. No. Uh, the next card, we get another Space Wolves card. Uh, this won't be in the first pack. <laughs> uh, this is the one that Nate made the picture of that's on our Facebook page, for those of you who haven't seen it yet. So it's the Morkai Rune Priest. Uh, the Rune Priest are the Space Wolves versions of uh, Librarians, as they're called, which is their Psychers. So he's a four-cost army unit, one command, three attack, four HP. But he's got a force interrupt when a non-Space Wolves unit retreats from this planet, deal one damage to that unit. So this can hurt your opponent for them retreating from your Space Wolves. Um, he's a, also a loyal unit, of course. Uh, great artwork. He's uh, using a Psychic Blast to scorch a whole whack of people all around him. Yeah, this guy's, this guy's cool. I like the fact... <laughs> I like the fact that he's fine with Space Wolves running off. That's fine if they're cowardly. But if anyone else runs off, he gets a bit ticked off and starts hitting him with psychic bolts and stuff. So Yeah, I think it's to represent uh, him attacking any other units that are running away from them so they can't finish them off, I think. Because you know, he wants to go right to your face. Um, we've got two more cards that we get to see. And we get Muster the Guard. It's an Imperial Guard event. Uh, you can use it during the deploy phase. Exhaust your warlord to reduce the cost of each Imperial Guard unit you play. Sorry, Astra Militarum unit you play this. Deploy this phase by one. It's going to take me a long time to get used to calling them Astra Militarum. Um, but it reduces every single unit you play. So when you play this event first during the deploy phase, and you're getting a bunch of guys out for a lot less. It, it could be a huge discount depending on uh, the cost of all the units you got and how many resources you have. But the fact that it lasts the whole phase is, is I think, pretty impressive. Again, it kind of helps the Astra Militarum spam out their units. Yeah, I, th I think if they get the uh, what we've seen of them already, where they've got quite a lot of command icons, if you can get them down at planets, start raking in the, uh, the resources and the cards from those planets, and then drop this after you've got that, so you can then spam out your hand to then ensure you keep on winning those... Um, that those battles, I, I just think it's going to be like a snowball effect almost. So I think this is a really good card for the guard. Oh, sorry, the um, whatever they're called now. <laughs> I'm still never going to get used to that. You and me both. Uh, the last card we get to see will be in a later pack as well because it's card number 42. It's a Tau card, which I haven't really seen very 
many of them yet. So this is called Borkan Recruits. Uh, Borkan is one of the Tau planets. So it's a two-cost army unit, one command, two attack, two hit points. This unit gets plus two attack while it is at a planet with a warlord. So it could be a four if it's at a planet either with your warlord or an opposing warlord. Um, so, I mean, that's a potentially very powerful ability right there. Um, if the opposing, especially if the opposing warlord is there, this unit's going to hit it for four, which is going to be you know probably at least half of its hit points, if not potentially more. Yeah, I like these guys. They're a solid unit. You know, you whack them on the first planet a lot of the time. That's where a lot of the battles start a lot of the time. Um, I'm just happy to see some Tau because I think they will be my faction of choice. So, uh, yeah, card art's really cool as well. Really like the card art. I thought you were going to play the Orcs. You seemed very excited about the Orcs last week. <laughs> Maybe not, no. <laughs> All right. So... Um, it does mention that, you know, this is, of course, going to be a monthly expansion, which all the, for anyone who's not familiar with the other living card games, they all get cycles like these, and you get six packs over six months, So it's, but they're all one expansion that's kind of broken up into chunks, and the uh, way we're going to see these is we'll get the, uh, the Warlord and their signature squads, there's nine cards, and then we'll get 17 other cards and three copies, so that makes a pack of 60 altogether, so... It looks like we'll probably see a Warlord a pack, and then I assume, again, that they assume that the state is six packs, which I don't see why they would change it with this one LCG. Uh, we'll see a pack with probably two Warlords in it. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what, which two war it is and how soon we get that. I almost wish it had been this pack that we got two right away just to get the diversity as fast as possible. So anyway, that's the, uh, the, the news about the... Uh, upcoming expansion, so we should see another preview next month for uh, pack number two in the Warlord cycle. Uh, the other tiny quick bit of news I want to let people know about, uh, for those of you who are not obsessively following the numbers in the World Eater Tournament at Gen Con, like myself, which is probably nobody other than me, uh, it's down to 13 seats available, so that means we've got 83 people registered currently. Uh, so hopefully... As we get closer, it will sell out, and hopefully I win the lottery very soon if the stores would stop refusing to sell me the winning tickets so I can buy my ticket and go to Gen Con and play. Don't, don't let me come over there. Please don't let me come over there and win it. Just, you know, guys, get in on that if you can. Make it a good tournament. Well, I said if I win the lottery, I was going to fly myself there. I didn't say I'd pay to fly you too, but I, I suppose. <laughs> it's, it'd be a very early wedding present. <laughs> I'm sure Laura would appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> i pay for her, too, and I'll have to bring my wife, and i bring the kids. Ah, oh, there goes that million dollars. <laughs> that was fast. All right, so moving right along, uh, let's get on with the Chaos previews. Nate, take it away. Okay, so, uh, yeah, this week, like you say, we've got uh, the Chaos previews. Um, in the first uh, fan, first five-card fan, uh, we've got a uh, Corn Berserker that we, you know, the three cost army with uh, two attack and four hit points. And from what I can see, he's got Brutal. Doesn't seem to have anything else. Blood uh, for the Blood God. Well, you'd expect, you know, he's a Corn Berserker. If he doesn't have Brutal, something's going wrong, really. So, um, uh, seems like a solid three drop. Um, we've got Alpha Legion Infiltrator, which we can't really see anything from. Uh, the Fanatics. Uh, the Possessed, which looks to be vanilla, but we can't see its stats, so we don't know how well-costed that is. And uh, the Rune Encrusted Armor, which is a two-cost attachment. Uh, you're attached to an army unit, attached unit gains plus two attack and plus two hit points. So, cheap and, cheap and cheerful, basically, to buff one of your good units. So... Uh, uh, I don't. Doesn't seem anything that stand out there. Do you think? Or uh, I am very excited by Corn Berserker, and I really like Rune Encrusted Armor as well. Because even Rune Encrusted Armor on the Corn Berserker also makes that guy four six, and then you know add his brutal, and he's gonna get a lot bigger. Uh, brutal on a Corn Berserker makes complete sense, but I absolutely love it. I am a a big fan of Corn. He's definitely my favorite Chaos God. So. I'm really looking forward to the day that we get like a corn warlord of some kind that, I don't know, 
like he gets more powerful as he gets damaged or something. I don't know. But yeah, I like those two cards. Uh, Alpha Legion Infiltrator we've seen early, early on in the, like I think when it first came out, he was, he's all right. He's a two cost. I think he's like a four one or something. But yeah, it's, it's a decent spread. Uh, it seems like they're probably going to, I would assume with this, for the most part, focus, I would think on Zinched in the, uh, the core set with his uh, signature squad stuff being here, but I assumed we'd see a few of the other Chaos Gods, and we know we're at least getting corn. So I'm interested to see if we get any others. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm happy. I mean, I know you want to see corn, but I'm happy because my favorite Chaos God is Zinch, so uh, I'm, I'm happy after the bat. Because um, uh, the first card we've managed to see from the, from the Zinch squad, obviously the Warlord being uh, Zarathar High Sorcerer. He's a... Um, Psyker and Zinch, he's a 1-6 uh, and a standard 7-7, seven, seven. and he has Interrupt. When damage is assigned to an enemy unit at this planet, increase that damage by 1. Um, obviously, when I first saw him, I looked at him and thought, wow, 1 for a Chaos Warlord is pretty weak, but then obviously factoring in the uh, the, the bump off his Interrupts, he, he does attack for 2, so... Uh, and I... <laughs> He's my favourite warlord we've seen so far, so... Uh, yeah, I just said, uh, the card art, his, his ability, I think everything's nuts on this guy. I really do like this guy. He's probably one of the first guys in the decks I'm going to build around, so... Yeah, I really like Zarathur too. Uh, um, we've seen him for a while now, I think. We saw him in one of the other previews, but... Yeah, the artwork on him is just phenomenal. Uh, yeah, I, I apologize if we have seen any of these things before. My memory is not great, so uh, um, <laughs> don't say anything there. <laughs> no comment. So, uh, <laughs> the next uh, card we get, which we get four copies, as of uh, each of the other signature squads, is uh, Xanathar's Flamers. They're a two-cost army. They have one command icon. Uh, there are two attack and two hit points. Where they're a demon and zinch, and they have the action sacrifice this unit to deal two damage to a target non warlord unit at the same planet. I really like these guys. I think the ability for them to uh, commit to attack, do two damage, and then even while they're committed, you can still sack them off to do another two damage. And if you've got your warlord there, that's three and three. And I think you can quickly see them tearing through a lot of units just on their own. So. Yeah, they are pretty cool. I do really like them. Um, decent cost as well. And the artwork is just amazing. Like, that's exactly what a, a Zinch demon should look like with all the faces and the eyes and just seriously weird looking. It, it's great. Like, he's, I, re, I do really like this, uh, this squad and everything else. And I'll definitely uh, be giving it a go. Yeah, um, I think uh, a lot of the, the artwork we're going to see for Chaos seems pretty cool and really on point. So, uh, um, the next card we get is Infernal Gateway. It's a one cost event. It has one shield icon. Um, power, Zinch, combat action. Put a Chaos unit with printer cost 3 or lower into play from your hand at a planet. If that unit is still in play at the end of the phase, sacrifice it. Um, I think this is a real. Real nice little tempo card, this. Uh, especially if you can drop in a, a flamer or something like that. And where the uh, once the enemy's finished taking all his actions and he thinks he's going to go around for the next round of combat, you drop a guy and manage to you know take out an important unit. I think it's a real uh, tempo card, so I do like this one as well. Yeah, and if you drop something like the flamer, you're going to sacrifice it probably anyway. So really, why not drop it for free with it? Or well, not for for one. So you're, you're only saving one resource, but still, drop this for one, attack with it, sacrifice it, and then, you know, it's like you said, it's all tempo. There's a lot of really good stuff in these Chaos previews. Yeah, I think we've seen in the in the other cards, that just, I think there's each, like, the drop pod and things like that. Uh, and even my, uh, one of my favorite cards, the with Ambush, just when the opponent... At the beginning of the battle, thinks right. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And you throw something like that into the into the works. 
he can really turn the tide of a battle where he felt he was strong and now all of a sudden he's, you know, he's losing that planet. So I, I, I think that'll, that'll uh, be worth its weight in gold in some matchups. So. Um, on to the next one, we have the Shrine of Warp Flame. It's a one-cost support location and has the reaction, after an enemy unit is destroyed, exhaust this support to return the topmost Zinch card from your discard pile to your hand. Um, I don't know, maybe even like one of his flamers. Uh, I think this, again, it's following the theme of you only get one and you want to see them because they're all nuts good, basically. Um, just recycling Zinch cards. Which I'm assuming, other than just the flamers, we're going to see some other Zinch cards as well. I feel there'll be some raining down fire spells that you'll probably want to get back anyway, so. Uh, yeah, really good. I'm glad there's only one in each one. Well, when I'm against it, when I'm, when I'm playing it, I'll probably want to see three, so. Yeah, it's a really good card. It's definitely something you're going to want to use with Zinx's Firestorm, which we'll see in a little bit. Uh, it's not part of the Signature Squad, but it's one of the preview cards. But yeah, it's a really good card. Again, Limit 1 location seems to be pretty much the standard, So, but I think that's okay in this case because it's like you said, if you had three of these, all of a sudden you're bouncing back you know, the same card potentially three times if you keep playing it. That could get a little beyond nuts. Yeah, I think yeah, I think they're balancing it well and not letting power cards run away with it basically. So, um, the next card we have is the Mark of Chaos. It's a zero cost attachment. It has three shield icons. It's a curse attached to an army unit. When attached unit leaves play, deal one damage to each enemy unit at this planet. Um, this is probably the first one of these um, signature squad attachments that I, I'm not a fan of. I don't, I, think, I don't think it's uh, impactful enough, basically. I don't think it... This is probably one I'm going to end up using for three shields most of the time. Um, you just, it's free damage, and I suppose if you've got the Warlord there, it's two damage. But uh, com- comparative to the other ones, I'm, I don't think it's, it's as powerful. So, I mean, what do you think? I like it because you could put on something like the Flamers, sacrifice the flamers they do their damage and then this would trigger doing more damage and if your warlord's there like you said it could be doing two damage everything like it, it has the potential to be a not a board wipe but a planet wipe so you know it definitely has some potential uh it's only zero cost but you know like all these having those three shields icons makes it awfully tempting to hold on to yeah i think the the, the thing going for it is the, is the zero cost i think that is if it costs one or two, you'd be really disinclined to use it. But a zero cost, um, you know, throw on a unit you know is more likely going to die, or a sacrificial unit like the Flamers, it, it probably will do its work. But I think sometimes it can be a bit situational. So yeah, maybe. I don't know. How, I wonder how many copies of that do we get? That's what interests me. I'm assuming only one. Since that's. <laughs> If it's like uh, all the the other ones, I'm assuming one. Yeah, I didn't I didn't really read it close enough to know if it said or not. I was in a bit of a rush, so I was just kind of looking at all the pretty pictures. <laughs> um, right. So uh, the next card we have up is the uh, Soul Grinder, and <laughs> it's a six cost army. It has um, two command icons. It's a four six. It's a demon war engine elite. Uh, it may have no war gear attachments. And it has reaction. After you win a command struggle at this planet, your opponent will sacrifice a non warlord unit at this planet if able. Uh, have, we, have we seen this guy in an earlier. I'm pretty sure we did in one of the early previews. Right, okay. But, uh, man, that's a nice looking unit. But six cost. <sighs> yeah, you're not going to do much else. Then. Yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, I suppose. Between his ability and his ability to hit for four, uh, he's probably going to be bringing that uh, card uh, advantage back down because he's probably going to kill something when he strikes, kill something with his ability. He can maybe justify laying out six for him, but I think this is maybe only like a one of in each deck, unless you can really somehow ramp up the uh, the credits you're going to get. Yeah, so I was thinking too, but you could... Uh... Combine him with uh, there's the K 
Chaos Fanatics or something like that. I can't remember what they were called. Chaos Cult that you could sacrifice to reduce a demon by two. Uh, so you could use those to get this guy out for a little bit less, you know, even if he's just down to four. And he kills something during the command struggle, then, you know, he, you strike first with them maybe during the uh, the battle itself. So, I mean, he could potentially take out two units just by being there and then punching one. And I don't know. I I think you're right. It'd probably be a one, maybe a two of you. You're not going to want three of these. I just don't see you playing that many big units. Not with all the uh, the potential for different board wipes uh, that we've seen, like Exterminatus and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know. It's a nice looking unit. I've, I've always been a big fan of the Soul Grinders ever since they got released to 40k because they're an odd combination of you know tank with a demon. So I kind of think I might use it just for that. What, what, what the other thing is, I think when you're deploying, obviously you're going to be trying to be tactical and not lay out your threats early so your opponent doesn't know where he wants to lay out his answer to those threats or place his own threats. But because the cost is so prohibitive, you, you can't lay down some smaller units and then drop him on where their threat is. You need to, you know, six six costs, so you're probably going to go to lay maybe at the most one of the unit and then him. So I think that's something else to sort of factor into how useful it will be. Yeah, it would be hard to hold this guy back without potentially causing yourself to pass and then you're skipping the rest of the deploy phase. Like It's going to be hard to have enough resources to play a bunch of other guys and then play this. Yeah, well, you know, I'm sure it'll get tested, but I think it'd be one of those, it might be a bit of a luxury card <laughs> more than a real useful card, so... Time will tell. Um, right, on to the next one. We have Warp Storm. Uh, it's a three-cost event uh, with one shield icon. Power. Uh, it's a combat action. Deal two damage to each unit without any attachments at a target planet or HQ. Uh, before I even go into this card, the artwork on that is awesome. Really cool artwork. Um, as to the ability itself, you know, if, if they've laid a load of units down at a planet yeah, or, or left some in the HQ, and you just go around and flatten them, basically. Uh, oh, sorry, when they've uh, retreated back, you can basically flatten everything that's at the HQ. I, I, I just think the card's bonkers. Yeah, it's a really good card. It's another, you know, kind of potential board wipe, uh, which we do seem to be seeing our common in this game and I don't know I just that artwork is amazing like every time I look at it you just see something new and some new detail but even then dealing two damage to each unit without any attachments you know dealing damage to stuff sitting at HQ I think is really good because you could have a battle like you know the first or second planet and then you know let's say it's the first planet your opponent goes back to his uh his HQ you know maybe he won the planet so he's got a bunch of units sitting there in his HQ all of a sudden you play this and Everything just sitting there takes two damage. Am I already taken enough beforehand that two damage kills it? So for three costs, it's not bad at all. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really good card. Yeah, I've, uh, I'm happy and also sad that it doesn't have the uh, Zinch keyword, so we can't recycle it with the, um, the Shrine to Warp Flame. Uh, Shrine to Warp Flame. So I think that that could be a real MPE because you could basically use it board wipe, get it back, and so on. So I think they, they thought that through, actually. So. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I was surprised it doesn't have the Zinch keyword, but yeah, being able to recycle this could be definitely a bad thing because getting back a, a wipe over and over again would be bad. I mean, you're going to have three copies probably anyway, so you're probably going to see at least a copy or two of these in a game at some point. I think it's it's uh, balanced enough that it'll do what you need it to do at the right sort of time. That you know, you, they didn't want you seeing too many of them or repeated use of them, but just having that one time to swing and put the uh, advantage back in your hand, I think it'll it'll do what it needs to do anyway. I mean, three cost is not you know that's a unit as well. You got to remember, so you got to play it right. So you're taking out more of their units and just again, it's that card advantage thing again. So. Um, uh, but the next card we have that does have the uh, Zinch keyword, uh, Zinch's Firestorm. It's an X-cost event, which I think is the first X-cost we've seen, uh, with 
Two shield icons. Uh, it's loyal, which is not surprising. Uh, powers inch and action deal X damage to a target non-warlord unit. Uh, this is fireball from magic. So you you put money in, you get damage out, and it's, it's that simple. Um, yeah, so everything that a warlord is uh, needs to be living fear in this, I think. Uh, yeah, I really do like this card. This this uh, yeah, it's pretty cool as well. Um, everything about it is cool. So yeah, I love this card. Uh, direct damage in any card game, any game. Is awesome, and I mean, this card right here makes me want to play Chaos just because of this. Because being able to targeted strike, you know, killing whichever unit you need to, as long as you get the resources, is just amazing. Uh, it's a great card, and I'm glad it does have the Zinch keyword, which makes sense because it's called Zinch's Firestorm, but it lets you recycle it too, potentially with the uh, Shrine of Warplane, so you could get more than three uses out of it. Uh, yeah, I can't say enough good things about this card, but I mean, it's really not that hard. Anyone who's ever played a card game knows that cards like these are great. Uh, direct damage definitely seems to be a... I don't even want to say so much a, Zinch, or a Chaos thing. It's probably more a Zinch thing. Like The thing that excites me about Chaos is where we've got the four Chaos gods. We could see four different sub-themes within Chaos. and uh, The direct damage cast and spells definitely makes sense for Zinch. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be a running theme. I think, like, obviously, Corns want to, they're going to want to get in amongst it and um, take damage while the other more damage, similar to Orcs, I feel. Your Nurgle are probably going to be a bit more resilient. I'm not sure how they'll work. Um, and then you're probably going to have Slanish, which I'm not really sure what they're going to do. I'm sure they're going to scream a lot, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing stuff like the Noise Marines anyway, so... Um, but yeah, Zinch burning things. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with that anyway. I hope we get a bit more than that. Um, the last card we get is uh, Dire Mutation. It's a one cost attachment with a one shield icon. It's a curse Zinch. It has the ambush, so you can play this card during the combat phase. Uh, attached to an army unit, and has a forced interrupt. When attached unit exhausts, deal it one damage. Um, yeah, if you if you want to make sure a card that extra one damage uh, every turn, probably soon going to mount up, especially if you put it on something like a uh, was it the mortar the mortar crew that could keep on uh, standing uh, from guard. The Which card? The the uh, the mortar card. The that every time it I'm sure if it killed the unit, it got to stand again. You know, lived them. Two weeks ago, you know. But and, and anything that's gonna keep uh, standing and then yeah. attacking, putting this on that to to, to sort of incentivize them doing it or, or just killing it basically, I think it's gonna be a really handy tool to have. Yeah, I'm not really sure what I think about this card. I don't know if I like it or not. Um, I I can see its usefulness at times. I just I don't really know if I'm gonna want to put a spot in for it. I mean, it could. It could be interesting on like some of the like there's the orc card Nasdrex flask gets that uh, can ready themselves by taking a damage and this would you know make it so they might not want to keep ready themselves and keep striking because they're just going to keep taking an extra damage but if they're sitting there with Nasdrex around they've got a lot more brutal too so it could it could help them and hurt you at the same time. Well, that's th- I mean this this would be quite good to take over into an orc deck because you could put it on something brutal so you attack. This triggers, they get brutal, and then you know it could be a trigger mechanism for your own unit. So I think it's got some uses. For one cost, it's not terrible. I know it sounds kind of weird, me not rating the other one that probably did a, a bigger effect. Uh, but I, I, I'm sure there was something similar to this in Invasions, so it was quite good, but I think that may have been a, yeah, I think that was a Chaos card in there as well, actually, so I, I liked it in there. Yeah, that's a good point, I mean, this isn't loyal, so it could go in an Orc deck, or you could have Orcs in your deck, so it could potentially help turn them Brutal, I mean, you could put this on that Corn Berserker, and help you turn it uh, Brutal on a little bit faster. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it might have a usefulness. I can I can see some uses for it. I just I don't know if I want to be saving a spot for it. But it's really going to depend on all the cards we get, and as as time goes, it might get pushed out, of course. Yeah, uh, I think uh, in like in conjunction in note deck with the uh, what was it called now the uh, crack tooth hole where you could you know you could uh, exhaust it to do it get the damage on it and then move it off after but then when you need to trigger it again to try and keep that unit alive I think it's just a really handy little tool basically either use it as a positive or a negative on there so. Yeah, it's another interesting use for it too. Yeah. Uh, so I believe that's the end of what's on that page, unless I've missed one. I don't think so. No, um, that's the. Yeah, that's the last of them. So uh, do you want to do uh, our preview for this week? Ah uh, yes, we do have one more card. I'd actually almost forgotten. Um, so we did get our spoiler from FFG. Uh, this week it's a unit again which is great and this time it's a Nurgle card so we are getting to see at least some units from the other Chaos cards. so this card is called Virulent Plague Squad it's a four cost army unit a one command icon one attack four hit points to warrior Nurgle death guard but this unit gets plus one attack for each unit in your opponent's discard pile so this guy could get beefy very fast, depending on how quickly you're killing your opponent's units. Play this, have this guy out after you've done some sort of a board wipe, or you know, used a a warp storm or whatever to send a bunch of the opponent's units into the the discard pile, and also this guy's hitting for you know six or seven instead of just his one. Uh, yeah, I think this is a great unit. Uh, decent amount of hit points, which makes sense with uh, Nurgle and his whole pain and being immune to it kind of mechanic that they, the Death Guard and those kind of units have. Four costs isn't too, too bad. Seems a little high, but if there's a bunch of units in your opponent's discard pile, all of a sudden that four cost really isn't that high. Yeah, I, the, this guy's real real value. Purely because I, I, I like any card that as the longer the game on, the card gets better, but remains the same cost. So, I mean, early doors, you're probably not going to want to see this guy, but you see him mid-game, maybe a 5-4. You see him late-game when you can drop him on, you know, one of the last planets if nothing's been, you know, if he's quite a swingy, maybe on two each, and this, or some of these guys are 12-4, and, you know, the opponent's really not wanting to let this guy live to the first combat, because um, you can pretty much shoot anything and destroy it, warlords and all, so I think this guy's a really good card. And the, art, the artwork on it as well, I've just got to mention, uh, you'll, you'll see it when we post it up, the artwork is real typical uh, Nurgle Death Guard, and I really, really like the artwork on it. You can just see another one just in the background. Uh, I've always liked the artwork for, um, for anything Nurgle, but especially the, the Death Guard, so, yeah. Nothing but good things about this guy. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely a card I'll be using in uh, my Chaos deck for sure. Uh, even his flavor text is pretty good. I shall reap a terrible bounty from the death that I sow in your name, Father Nurgle. Typhus the Traveler, Herald of Nurgle. Uh, Typhus is one of the special characters from the uh, 40k miniature game, so it's interesting that we get to see flavor text from him, so that means we might eventually see him in the card game as well. Oh, I hope to get this in Typhus. He is cool. He'd probably be a warlord, I would think, if anything, because he's, he's quite the the guy. He's been around since like the Horus Heresy. So, yeah. Alright, so there's all the Chaos previews. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Uh, we should be seeing Dark Eldar next, uh, following the alignment wheel. So we've got you know three weeks left with the, uh, the Dark Eldar, Eldar, and then the Tau. Alright, so last but certainly not least is the part which I affectionately like to currently call Know Your Lore. So, this week of course I'm going to be discussing Chaos. Um, chaos is... The, the the energy of the warp, which is, as we've discussed before, the, the alternate universe that is also used by humans to draw their psychic powers from, as well as used to travel their ships through so they can travel farther distances. The warp is chaos. Chaos is the warp. Like 
the, the two are inseparable. You have to understand that concept. All the demons, the chaos gods, everything else are all strictly made up of the warp. So if you're in the warp, you don't necessarily see a demon. You just see the energy, but that energy can develop sentience and become demons, the chaos gods, etc. Like the warp has been shaped by all the sentient mortal races that live in the material plane, so you know the regular galaxy. Our thoughts, emotions, everything is kind of congealed into the warp and created these gods. So they exist in a way because all the mortal races have created them. So you, you have to understand that the two are absolutely connected and you can't speak of one without speaking of the other. So the warp in one way is great for humanity because they can use it to travel throughout the galaxy, but it's also terrible because it unleashes these demons who then take over planets and conquer the planet and then, you know, destroy the population and enslave people and possess humans and like all sorts of terrible things. So it, it's like a, a double-edged sword. They, they need it, but at the same time, they're afraid of it. So chaos consists as we've said a couple times, numerous gods. So there's, there's four of them. There's Korn, who's my favorite. He's the war god. He's known as the blood god. You know, blood for the blood god, skulls for the skull throne. He's all about combat and hatred and violence. Like he's He was created by war. So obviously in Warmer 40,000, he's the most powerful chaos god because he's fed by all the war that's always going on. Like there's never not war going on. He's also the oldest of the Chaos Gods, so he was founded first from what we know. But that doesn't really matter when you're tens and hundreds of thousands of years old. Really, it doesn't matter. So Zinched is the second most powerful. He's the one that we're getting to see probably the greater focus on with the Corset because he gets his signature squad, which is Zerother. Zinched is all about schemes, and he sees the future, and he has all these intricate plots and schemes and plans and just twists and turns like he controls and manipulates people he's also he's he's all about change and you know in, in a way he's about the hope that change can bring like you know hum humanity in particular at least according to the lore rather than some of the other races humanity is always looking towards change as you know making a better tomorrow the grass is greening you know if i could just win the lottery i could go to gen con you know, that's change if I could, you know, pay off all my bills, uh, all that kind of stuff. Kind of what feeds and helped to create Zinch is, you know, our, our desire for change and betterment and everything else. But he's changed the extreme. So a lot of his gifts are mutations. Like you see on the card there, uh, Dire Mutation or whatever its name is, uh, near the end there, you know, it's, it's this guy who's basically being mutated into something and that's that's what Zinch does to some of his followers uh, the next god is uh, Nurgle, Nurgle's all about death and decay but it's not even so much like death as in like the Grim Reaper but like you know the death of like a swamp so you know fungus and decay and, and rot and stuff like that so you know he's he's his units and his demons and stuff are big disgusting slimy looking things that look like they're half rotted like you can see on the, the, the death guard card that we're previewing there but they're also they're pretty much immune to pain because they live with constant pain and they have all these diseases within them uh, that they're basically immune to pain so they're also very tough uh, Nurgle's the lord of disease so his power kind of waxes and wanes as diseases and plagues go so if he's got like this a massive plague like he's got one that's like the zombie plague which kills its victims and turns them into zombies uh, if that plague's running rampant throughout the galaxy Nurgle's also a lot more powerful he can be more powerful than any other chaos gods but then as his disease becomes stopped or wiped out or just whatever he his power will wane and then it, he kind of waxes and wanes like that uh, the last Chaos God is my least favorite, Slanish. Slanish is the Prince of Pleasure. He's all about excess and, you know, not having any inhibitions and, you know, doing whatever makes you feel good. So he's, he's very much about pleasure and delights and stuff like that. Uh, he's, in some ways, the most twisted, I think. 
and Slannis is also the youngest. He's known as the Prince of Chaos. He was created by the Eldar. The Eldar's Fall, which is where the Eye of Terror, which is uh, where a lot of the Chaos Space Marine Legions and stuff are, his birth not only helped make the warp quiet down, so all the warp storms that kind of kept the galaxy separated stopped, which allowed the Emperor to go out and conquer the galaxy, but his death also resulted, or his birth rather, also resulted in the death of millions, billions of Eldar who lived on the planets that are now what's the Eye of Terror. But they created him by their empire becoming so advanced that they didn't have to do anything, so they just became all about indulging whatever they wanted to do. Well, doing that, their emotions went into the warp and created Slanish, who slowly, over time, grew and grew until he woke up with this huge scream, sucked in billions of souls of Eldar, and all of a sudden he was awake and a full-fledged chaos god. So, you know, all, all the gods were created by the various mortal races in the material plane to greater or lesser extent. Uh, well, not even to greater or lesser, just that's how they were created. They exist because we we gave birth to them with our emotions. So, like I said, you know, there's also the Chaos Space Marine Lenin. So, we've, we've seen a few of them. Zarathur is a Chaos Space Marine. He's a sorcerer. He's most likely from a chapter, or sorry, a legion called the Thousand Sons, which were one of the original legions founded back during the Great Crusade that then went traitor with Horus. So, I should probably back up a little bit. So, like I said, Slynus gave birth. He calmed the warp. It was then possible for the Emperor to go forth. He took his Space Marine legions with him and at first went to find his children, the Primarchs. They're not his actual children. He created them in a lab, but they were basically his children. And there was... There was 20 of them. We only know of 18. Two of them were failures and are not spoken of, and we don't know why and probably never will. Um, so the emperor went forth, founded them, gave each of them a legion. So the legion was made up of space marines, which were created from that Primarch's, what they call gene seed. So they were descended in a way from him. Now eventually the emperor's imperium became too big. He decided to go home to work on a special project and gave command of the military forces to Horus, who became the war master. <laughs> Mistake one. Sorry? Mistake number one. Yeah, well, that's true. And it's rather interesting that he made that mistake, considering. Um, okay. So Horus was the war master. Uh, he eventually became to decide that the emperor was a coward for retreating to Earth. So he eventually became... Uh, through various circumstances, which are detailed in the first three books of the Horus Heresy series, so I'm not going to try and spoil it too, too much. Um, he became corrupted to chaos, converted some of his brothers and their legions, and they started what's now called the Horus Heresy. They didn't all necessarily know they were falling to chaos. It's kind of a, a slower process, but once they fell, they fell all the way. Now, the thing is, a lot of them still exist to this day, fighting the same war. Like, some of the Primarchs of the, the various traitor legions are now demon princes. So they are mortals that have been granted the ability to become demons, so they're now immortal demons by the Chaos Gods. So, like, Angron, who was the uh, the Primarch for a chapter called, or sorry, legion called the World Eaters, is now a demon prince of Corn. So he's a full-fledged demon, and uh, he used to be, you know, a Primarch, so he used to basically be not even so much mortal, but superhuman. Um, so, with the way the warp works, time doesn't flow the same way it does. Like, it's not, you know, day one becomes day two, becomes day three. Day four could become day one, could become day zero, could become day 99. It, it's not, it doesn't flow the same way. So that's why I said some of the space marines around now are still alive, not because they're immortal demons like the Primarchs, but because the way time works, they've just lived in the Eye of Terror or wherever, which is a, the largest warp space overlap where the warp and material universe kind of mesh, and it's where the Elder homeworlds used to be. And they've just they've lived there all this time, continuing the war that they started. They call it the Long War. Uh, 
by and large, it's, well, not even by and large, but it's at times led by a warrior called Abaddon the Despoiler. Abaddon is the former first captain to Horus and uh, Horus's legion, which was the Lunar Wolves and then became the Sons of Horus, as now known as the Black Legion. Abaddon leads what's called the Black Crusades. There's been, to date, over 10,000 years, 13 Black Crusades, where basically Abaddon gathers up all kinds of chaos warbands and demons and makes deals and everything else, leaves the Eye of Terror to attack the Imperium and try and destroy it. He's intent on getting revenge for the fall of his master Horus. Horus is completely dead. He was killed by the Emperor, and then his body was uh, ultimately destroyed by the Black Legion to uh, prevent it from being stolen by some of the other uh, Chaos Space Marine Legions, because they don't always get along very well, obviously. Uh, being, you know, chaos, and some of them are all devoted to different chaos gods, so they do at times fight amongst themselves as well uh, within the Eye of Terror and other places. Um, so, for the Chaos Space Marine Legions, I've already mentioned the World Eaters. Uh, they're all about corn. They're a very violent legion, of course. They're the corn berserker you see in the previous era is one of theirs. Uh, they were led by the Primarch Angron, who's now a demon prince. The Death Guard are devoted to Nurgle. Their Primarch Mortarian is a demon prince of Nurgle, and they were uh, corrupted because they all became sick with the disease and ultimately ended up giving themselves to Nurgle to try and get some relief from this disease, which ended up just continuing to eat them, and now they're all diseased husks. Uh, for Zinx, there's the Thousand Sons, like I said. They were led by uh, uh, Magnus the Red, who was the one that I mentioned on episode one or two, I believe. Uh, he was the permanent that's this big, giant red cyclops. Uh, he's still around. He's also a demon prince. He lives on the, the planet of the sorcerers, and he uh, he's very much all about magic and psychic abilities and stuff, and so is most of the Legion. Uh the Thousand Sun Warriors, for the most part, are ghosts inside of their armored shells due to a spell cast by one of their number uh, to try and prevent them from being mutated further by Zines and end up turning them all into just spirits trapped within their suits of armor. Uh, the next one is the Emperor's Children. Their primary is called Fulgrim, also a demon prince, this time of Slanish. So as you can see, each of the, uh, the Chaos Gods got their own pet legion. Uh, the Emperor's Children are all about, you know, exactly what Slash is, all about excess and everything else. Fulgrim was one of the the greatest warriors, the greatest swordsman ever. He was all about very much about the show and the style. You know, he's very much a, a three musketeer type of warrior. You know, very much showy and flashy kind of stuff. I think uh, I think you call that or a top sort of a fellow. Yeah. Um, next, we've got the Night Lords. The Night Lords' primarch was Conrad Kurz. He is dead. He was killed by an Imperial Assassin. Uh, the Night Lords don't particularly follow any Chaos God. They uh, follow Chaos Undivided. They're all about sowing mass terror. The Alpha Legion is kind of an odd case, but I will let you guys read the books and find out about that, or you know, read the wiki or something, why they're kind of different from the other Chaos Space Marines. But they are all about using infiltration and they'll set up cults on planets which will slowly grow and then eventually they'll they'll let forth all their cults and also have this huge massive army that they've been developing for generations because they've had all these plans and schemes to long term infiltrate a sector or a system or whatever. Uh, I should probably pull up a list because I'm forgetting a couple I know. That was six of them. Oh, Nate, help me out. I'm forgetting one or two. Uh, yeah, the Iron, Iron... Oh, the uh, Iron Warriors. Thank you. Iron Warriors. Oh, yeah. The Iron Warriors are similar in a way to uh, one of the, uh, the, the, the non-fallen ones, the Imperial Fists. They were all about siege. So they were very, they're, they're very much about their siege masters. Their uh, primarch was... Perturabo, uh, he is still alive as a, a demon prince. They follow chaos undivided as well, so they don't devote themselves to any one particular. And uh, 
they're very much like I said, all about you know siege and fortresses and stuff. And they have like you know a plant that they control is basically just uh, you know full of like trenches. It's you know World War One style warfare with trenches and stuff like that. Uh, the next one, the Word Bearers. The Word Bearers were actually the first Legion to fall to chaos because they were very much about religion. And at first, they tried to worship the Emperor. Well, the Emperor didn't want that. He wanted humanity to be based around science and everything like that. So he chastised Lorgar for taking too long and building up temples and all this stuff. So Lorgar turned from his father, the Emperor, eventually found the Chaos Gods, and then his legion had new gods to worship. Um, so they're very much about religion. They worship Chaos Undivided as well. Um, and yeah, so they're they they're like they're one of the few chapters, I think they're actually the only chapter that still has a version of the chaplains. They call them uh, the Dark Apostles, who are their their priests that, you know, maintain order and Make sure everybody's praying and whatnot within the Legion. And so, yeah, that is all of them. So I guess I only forgot the two at the end there. It's pretty good, doing it from memory. So there was uh, nine in total, just like there was nine in total that remained loyal. And then the uh, the two that we've never known anything about. So the Chaos Space Marines continue, like I said. They continue to recruit, but there have been new Chaos Space Marines. Like they don't all belong to the original Legions. Some chapters over the tens of thousands of years of the Imperium have also fallen to chaos and then retreated either to the Eye of Terror or one of the other warp storms like the the Maelstrom where the Red Corsairs went after they were found uh, to be corrupted. They live there. So they all live within one or more of these various warp space overlaps with the, uh, the material plane. Chaos is a very interesting thing. It's one of the more unique things about over 40,000, so there is a lot to cover here. Obviously, as you guys can tell, you know, I've already talked quite a bit about it. Uh, hopefully that gives you a bit of a, a brief start into Chaos and how the uh, how they work and everything like that. Uh, if anybody's ever got any questions about any of this stuff, you know, you can, of course, contact us on our Facebook page or you can private message myself on the Card Game DB or the FFG boards. Uh, talk to Miss T-O-Q-T-A-M. ISH or email the show at adeptuspodcasts at gmail.com and I'm more than happy to go discuss this stuff forever. Uh, I know entirely too much about Warmer 40,000 lore. Nate, you got anything you want to add about Chaos before we wrap it up? Uh, no, Chaos was always one of my favorite factions just because, much like to a similar sort of level, uh, Eldar, the, the amount of diversity they had in their army. Um, especially obviously the gods made made them diverse basically and I always remember the, the Chaos Codex in the was it second ed or third ed when it had Abaddon on the front with the massive that was claw. the second edition Codex that was the huge one that I bought and read all in one day yeah and because that was so full of lore and stories and history you couldn't help but love them because there was so much back writing about them. Whereas, like, today's modern codexes, from what I can gather up, you know, two A4 pieces of paper stuck together, um, that was, like, a, a really good read, and I really enjoyed that. And for me, that's what started my love for Chaos. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the same with a lot of people, because there was so much information on them, you know, they were hard to dislike, especially with some of their unique characters back then with, like, um, you had the Khan, the Betrayer, and, and Fabius Bile. I and, love uh, Karn so much. He was he was it, my favorite. It was hard not to like any of the the special characters, even the ones that they didn't actually create models for, and you had to make yourself like um, Cipher, the Fallen Angel. I, I really did like that as well, where you could take some of the Dark Angels and you know, it was their shame and and stuff like that. I loved that that little bit of a story about it as well. Um, it really did add an extra layer of depth for me. So. It was the first time I ever played when I played tabletop as well. So, for me, I've always got a soft spot for Chaos. Yeah, I loved that second edition codex. That was by far one of my favorite codexes ever. Um, like that and the Sisters of Battle codex from second edition are the two that had the most 
lore and stuff in the back during second edition, but all the second edition codices were quite good. Then third edition came around and that kind of sucked. But anyway, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I I now have to see if I still have my second edition Chaos Codex because if I don't, I'm going to have to go buy one on eBay just so I can read it again. <laughs> I think I might have mine somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to look around for that. Anyway, <laughs> so that is the end of our Chaos episode. Um, next week we will be seeing the Dark Elder. Uh, hopefully we will also have a preview for that. I've been pretty good at getting on top of FFG a little bit earlier in the week just to give them time to uh, get it to us and they've been pretty good with that gentle reminder until next time remember blood for the blood god